tonight um, a lot of thoughts came to my to my mind and um, and uh, there's so many things to uh, to talk about to preach from uh, this word called the Bible there's so many different things there's so many uh, gold nuggets if you will that we can apply to our lives. Uh, there's so many life applications in this book, um, and there's so many good things. And I was just thinking and praying and pondering the mind of God, and uh, you know, really just ask God um, to give me a word to speak. And so I believe um, that this message tonight, although it may be simplistic in its title, um, is very profound. Very, very profound. If we truly understand and grasp the true meaning of it um, and its life application, uh, it's certainly applicable to our lives. And uh, the title of my message tonight is simply The Grace of God. The Grace of God. Um, if I could have you all, we can all turn to uh, the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 4. I want to set. Um, some context, so I guess some pretext, if you will, and really set a groundwork um, into talking uh, or speaking, however it comes out tonight, about the grace of God. Um, in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, um, verses 3 through 7, it talks about the story of Cain 
and Abel. Um, and it says in verse 3, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord has had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. In other words, he got mad. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You know, the first thing that really has to be checked when we come to God is our attitude and our own spirit. Um, in John uh, 4.24, it says that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Um, and so when, when we come to God, it has to be with the right attitude. Um, it God demands of us uh, faith, faith to believe that number one that He is God and He has He is who He says He is, and that He will do exactly what He has spoken to in our lives and also in the Bible. Um, in the story of Cain and Abel, um, it goes on to tell, uh, as we've read these scriptures, that uh, God honored the sacrifice. The offering of Abel, but he rejected Cain. And one thing to keep in mind is that uh, these were these were both sons of Adam and Eve, the first humans on the face of this earth. And it's sort of embedded in what we read is they both knew the ways of God. They both knew what was required of God and that they had to bring an offering before God. But one did exactly as he was taught by his parents to bring of the first fruit. And and Cain, on the other hand, just simply thought he could just bring anything before God and that God would honor it and accept it. And it was not so. And even after uh, the offering of Cain was rejected, God spoke directly to Cain and tried to reason with him and simply said, you know, if you just... Simply do what is required of you if you bring of the first fruits, your first fruits, and not just any kind of offering. I will accept that as well. But Cain rejected that. He became disobedient and he grew, he got mad and he let his, uh, his personal feelings and emotions uh, get the best of him to the point that as we read later on in the same passage of scripture that he rose up against his brother and the first murder in human and humanity was recorded in that day. The first murder began. And so the first thing that we have to check when we come to God is our attitude. Is our spirit right with God? Is our attitude right with God? Do we really want, number one, to truly know God? Do we want to give God all that he demands of us, or are we just going to give any old thing 
and try to see if God will accept that and if that will be enough for God to accept. And going down to my topic, the grace of God, um, I guess the first thing is a lot of people ask, what is the grace of God? And really in a nutshell, what the grace of God is, the unmerited favor of God. But it just doesn't come, you know, there's there's a saying that I heard a, a preacher say, and that uh, when we have salvation may be free, but it wasn't cheap. It came with a price. God himself came down in human flesh and wrote himself in human flesh and went to the cross and died for us. And so the grace that we receive from God is free, but it wasn't cheap. There was a price that was paid at Calvary. And going into the very uh, definition of, of the word grace, um, I was trying to do a little research um, in this because it's certainly important as we go back to the scriptures and we uh, look to the original language that the Bible uh, was written in. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. However, the New Testament was written in Greek. And the word grace is not found uh, in the Old Testament, at least not in the King James Version, but we... It's not found in the Old Testament. When we look at the New Testament, uh, we find many passages of the word grace mentioned. And so we go back to the original language of uh, Greek, and it comes the it comes from the Greek word uh, charis, which means to benefit, to give favor, to bless, to enable, to give pleasure, to benefit by giving gifts. And so. That helps us to understand what grace actually is. It, it is to give favor. It is to bless. And through grace, um, this is exactly where it comes from. To benefit is through grace that benefits come to our lives. That we are favored by the Lord. And when we look at the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Verse 8, if we could just go there real quickly. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8. It says, for grace, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And. It starts with faith. Going back to John 4, 24. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So the first step is faith and getting grace applied to our lives. And I'm building up to something. Um, in Hebrews 10, 29, the spirit of grace is likened unto the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God. In Hebrews 10.29, and I will go there brief, uh, briefly. There's a, a few different uh, passages of Scripture I wanted to go through tonight so we understand the full context of grace, not only definition of grace, but how we actually receive it and how grace can actually be applied to our lives. In Hebrews 10.28 and then 29, it says, He that despised Moses' law 
died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an, an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. In Romans 5.15 In Romans 5.15 It says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ. So that lets us know that we receive the grace by Jesus. What did Jesus die? What, what did Jesus do just before he left this earth? He died on the cross. But in, in Acts and in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 2, it talks about his ascension back into heaven, but he would send a comforter. He would send a comforter to us, and that is the Holy Ghost. And it is through the Holy Ghost that we receive his grace. It is through the Holy Ghost that we receive favor. It is through the Holy Ghost that we can be blessed and we are benefited in our lives. I'm going to go through a few more scriptures um, in the book of Romans, same same book, uh, chapter three, verses twenty-three through twenty-four. It says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus." I'm going to read that one more time. Being justified freely by his grace through what? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So it is through Calvary. It is through the outpouring of his spirit, the Holy Ghost. It is through the infilling of the Holy Ghost that we can receive grace in our lives. It is through his spirit that grace is actually applied to our lives. In Romans chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, it goes on. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. And then it says, What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. In other words, just because we have the Holy Ghost and grace is applied through our lot to our lives through the Holy Ghost. We cannot just go living any kind of life that we want and sin and and claim that grace is applied to our lives. Therefore, we can just live any kind of life that we want. But we have to still abide by his word. We still have to keep ourselves in line with 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 his word and with the Bible. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 13, 
It goes on, it clarifies this a little more so as to leave no questions. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 13, it says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. And that Spirit is the Holy Ghost. Jesus himself says, said in in the Bible, if ye have not my spirit, ye are none of mine. And it's through the Holy Ghost that we receive grace and that grace can actually be applied to our lives. And I want to read a few more scriptures in the book of Acts chapter 19 verses verses 2. I'm going to go there really quickly. And this is really just elaborating on the the fact that it's not just enough to have faith, if you will. It's not just enough to just believe, but that we have to take action upon what we actually do believe. It was the Apostle Paul that says, faith without works is dead. And so it's not just enough just to believe, but we have to act upon that which we actually believe. Otherwise, that belief is of none effect. And the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 2, it emphasizes this. Verses 1 and then verse 2, it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Which lets us know that it's not enough to just believe. Which also lets us know that it goes back to the plan of salvation uh, that was revealed by Peter in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 38. And then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you for the mission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the first step we have to come to God with faith. And then upon that faith we have to act We have to act upon what we believe. And that it's through all that steps that grace can finally finally be applied to our lives through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 4, it sort of concludes the question of grace. Can you always be under grace? In other words, can you... Is there ever a point at which you can fall out of line with God? Can you actually fall from grace? Or is it simply just this doctrine that some people preach, once saved, always saved? And so in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 4, it emphasizes this a little more. It says, Christ is become of no effect unto you, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. So it is possible that even though God saves you one day, you can go out the very next day and be completely out of line with God. There is no 
there is no truth to the notion that once God saved you, you are forever saved. You have to keep yourself in alignment, in perfect alignment with God. There is a possibility that we all, any one of us, can fall from grace. But we have to keep our we have to keep ourselves in alignment with God and aligned with His Word. Right. Amen. And finally, I would conclude this message in talking about the grace of God and, and keeping ourselves aligned with Him. We read in the story of Lot in the Bible, in the book of in the book of Genesis, chapter nine, where it talks about Lot being a nephew of Abraham. And even though Lot was affiliated with, if you will, with the man of God in his life, he decided to do his own thing. The Bible lets us know that he, quote unquote, pitched his tent toward the city of Sodom. In other words, he already had his eyes, he already physically had his eyes set on this wicked city of Sodom. And the Bible lets us know in the book of Genesis chapter 9 as we read the story of Lot, how he went from point A in pitching his tent toward the city of Sodom. He actually wound up in the city of Sodom, a wicked city. And finally, we read that his soul became vexed because of the wickedness of that city. It started with just a thought, if you will. He just started thinking about, you know, that city looks pretty good over there. I'm going to go and let Abraham do his own thing. But I, I think I'm going to go over here um, and find out what's going on over there. And pretty soon that thought became action. And he actually wound up physically right. in the wicked city right. of Sodom. And as a result of his going there and staying in the city the wicked city of Sodom, the Bible lets us know that his soul became vexed so much that at one point he actually offered up some of his own daughters to the men of that city to commit sin. And had it not been for Abraham, had it not been for Abraham, a man of God in his life, he would have partook in the wrath and in the vengeance of God. And so that lets us know one thing, that it's yeah. not enough to just come to church. It's not enough to just have friends that are in the church. But we have to have church inside of us. Right. We have to have we have to get a hold of God. We have to get a hold of God. Yeah. Every single day we have yeah. we have got to have our own personal relationship with God. And we've got to know him for ourselves. We can't rely on our friends. We can't rely on our parents' relationship with God. We can't rely on our pastor's relationship with God. But we have got to have our own relationship with God for ourselves. And we contrast that with the story of Enoch. In the the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, it was a very different story. Uh, The the Bible lets us know about a man named Enoch, who the Bible describes that he walked with God for literally hundreds of years. And had he walked with God so much so that God got tired of just communing with him on earth 
and God just literally took him up into heaven. And so we see a contrast between the story of Lot in the Sodom of Gomorrah and the story of, of Enoch in the Bible. One through Lot was simply just trying to get by. He had a friend that was in church. He had a friend that knew God very well, but he didn't have a relationship with God for himself. And so he just simply tried, tried to walk the boundary line. He tried to see how close he could get to the world and still be. You know, I got a friend that I know that serves God. But you contrast with that in the story of Enoch. He wanted a relationship with God. He wanted a relationship so God that every single day he walked with God. And so much so that God just took him out of this world. And then that day he's likened unto the rapture of this church. Those that have prepared themselves. Those that have made themselves ready. Those that are full of the Holy Ghost will be raptured out of this church. Oh, will be raptured out of this world. to get a little closer to him 
to get a little closer to him, to know him a little more, just simply taking advantage of every opportunity that he, he that he gives us. And it goes on further in the Bible to describe that we, if we have the Holy Ghost, we will be redeemed by him on that day in the rapturing of the church. But it is the Holy Ghost that will enable us to be redeemed. If we have not his spirit, we will be left behind. We will be left behind. And so it just brings that much, so much more importance that we have to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's not enough to just receive it one time. It's not enough to just say a prayer one time. To just simply say a prayer before you go to bed. And read a chapter here and read a chapter there. That is not a relationship with God. But we've got to seek Him and we've got to seek Him earnestly every single day. And ultimately we have to be full of the Holy Ghost. And it is through the Holy Ghost that His grace can be applied to our lives. God bless you. You know, I'm just going to open up these altars right now. I'll say that if you haven't received the Holy Ghost, it's been some time since you spoke in tongues. Today would be the opportune time for you to come down to an old-fashioned altar and get a hold of God once again. The Bible describes the Holy Ghost. He says, Jesus said, after that you receive the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power from on high. You shall receive grace. Hallelujah. Oh, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Oh, it's been some time since you spoke in tongues. Why don't you come down to an old-fashioned altar? Once again, oh, whether not you have, why don't we all come down today? And why don't we get a hold of God? We don't want to leave the same way that we came in. Oh, but we want to leave a fresh, full of the Holy Ghost today. Oh, we want to be renewed in the power of the Spirit today. Oh, why don't we come down to an old-fashioned altar?